Let's take a walk in the city Till our shoes get wet And when we see the traffic lights and the moon Let's take a smile off the ash can Let's walk into town Hello, it's me. I was wondering if you would like to hear some TFP. Hey, for once, it's not me singing at the beginning of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, this singing is going to come after the theme song when I edit it. But I always put your singing before the theme song as kind of the cold open. So who knows? Maybe I'll throw something in there. You're gonna throw Only the listeners will know because as of yet, I haven't done any editing but about an hour from now, we'll see how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling like being nice to you, or if I feel like embarrassing you again. Are you going to throw in my little barf from the sound check? <laughs> no, I've already deleted that. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, TFP stands for Thanks for Participating, which is the name of the podcast that we started and you happen to be listening to right now. Thanks for joining us, listener. I am your host, Sydney. And I'm your other host, Josh. Arguably the better looking host, but... I'm not going to fight that one. Okay, you're supposed to fight that. It's not fun to say somewhat hurtful. I get not hurtful, <laughs> but like argumentative. It's not even argumentative. How would you say that? If we're, if I'm De stating that I'm better looking than you. I don't like not degrading, but like. Sarcastic? Sarcastic. You know, like there's like the self-deprecating jokes. But and then this there's is the like a couple's like other deprecating jokes. There's self-deprecating and then there's. Spouse deprecating. Spouse deprecating humor. <laughs> there we go. It's not fun to start spouse deprecating humor if you just agree with me. But you are the cutest one out of the two of us. Nope. I don't like it when you say that. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, that... I don't like it when you disagree with me. Okay. See, <laughs> now you're joining in on the banter. There we but go. But it's only when I'm not into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, as we were saying... Thanks for participating in the podcast that we started when we first got married. Coming up on two years, actually. A week from tomorrow is our two-week anniversary. And then... Our two-year anniversary? Is that what I... That, you said I say two, two week? week? <laughs> a week from tomorrow will be a week since we got married. We've we been got married, married a little longer than two weeks. Yeah. So. Our two-year anniversary is a week from tomorrow. And I'm so excited. Man, has it already been that long? I don't think so. <laughs> I, yeah, to be honest, 2021 doesn't feel like it happened at all. It feels like it was just 2020 and we got engaged like two months before the pandemic happened and then quarantine and I felt like I was never going to see you from like we got engaged in January and we were planning to get married in August and come April, all of a sudden I'm like the world is shutting down and you moved about 50 miles away and I felt like, great, I'm never going to see her maybe until we get married, possibly we might have to push back our wedding date and I might not know when I'm going to see you again. And I was quarantined because um, I was exposed to COVID. <laughs> like, <laughs> like one of the, the first cases in Utah. Yeah, she, my my exposure was like one of the first like cases at our university. She, I think she might have been the breakout. I don't know if she was the breakout case, but she was 
because I don't think she got her results back for a while after like the first confirmed breakout case. But she was definitely up there with like one of the first, like maybe like second or third. But I was just saying that that kind of panic uh, uncertainty in our relationship feels like it was two months ago. Really? I yeah. feel like it was a lifetime ago. Really? Yeah. So that feels like a lifetime ago, but it, it doesn't feel like we've been married two years yet. Yeah. Okay. For me, when we started dating, that feels like a lifetime ago. But the pandemic, early days of the pandemic, does not feel like over two years ago by this point. And then we got married August of 2020. It doesn't feel like we finished 2020 when all of 2021 and we're already over halfway through 20. I guess we're not technically over halfway are we yeah summer solstice is halfway no june 1st right or Ju july 1st right because july is the seventh month i forgot that it was july i was thinking that it was the last week of june right now oh babe you were just off oh tonight <laughs> we were just talking about how it's almost august and that's our anniversary okay yeah so we're over halfway <laughs> through yes yeah, so anyway it doesn't feel like we've gone the rest of 2020 then an entire calendar year and then half of another calendar year since we've been married yeah like 2021 i couldn't tell you a single thing that happened that year so i think today is my turn to introduce well i guess today's my turn to talk about something that i introduced sydney to and we actually just took care of that this evening anyway tonight sydney and i watched a movie that i had seen a ton of times growing up, but honestly, it's been so long since I've seen it that I didn't remember most of the movie. But it's a series of movies that I've seen all of them several times. And I think the later ones I remember more than the one than this one. But that movie is The Mummy from 1999, starring Brendan Fraser. Fraser or Fraser? I don't know. It's I'm just -R -A -S -E -R. thinking. R-A-S-E-R. Oh, I was thinking Fraser because of like the television show. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't met him to ask him how he says it. That's a shame. To be honest, I had never really heard of The Mummy until like within the last year. You'd never heard of this, these movies at all? No, not really. Huh. And then I found out that, oh, it's like actually a cult classic. Okay. Right off the bat, I want to tell you something interesting. So do you remember in 2017 when the Tom Cruise Mummy movie came out? No. Really? Really. Okay, so... 2017 was a wild year for me. Okay, I won't deny that. <laughs> you were a crazy girl in 2017. No, I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't really ever pay attention to movies or like watch movies a ton. That's true. I'm more of a TV show kind of gal. I can tell just by looking at you. Oh, really? What gives it away? Um, <laughs> it's just the je ne sais quoi. I can't really put my finger on it. Did I use that phrase right? I don't know. <laughs> it's the pièce de résistance. Um, I don't know what that phrase is either. That one I kind of know, and I don't really think you used it right. It's the how to say, I just learned this, like how to say, how are you in French? I was going to say, it's, and then just say, how are you? Because that's definitely the wrong phrase, but... I even I forgot how to even say that. It's the, oh, uh, je m'appelle? Is that how, right? That's my name is. Oh. It's the, uh, how do you say, uh, chicken cordon bleu. It's the, how you say, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> okay, so anyway, in 2017, a movie called The Mummy came out with Tom Cruise. And I heard for th 
the marketing of this movie that it was supposed to be a reboot of Universal's classic mummy monster. Do you know about the Universal classic monsters? No. Okay. Um, but when I first heard that it was a reboot of the mummy, I thought, oh, it must be a reboot of the these late 90s, early 2000s Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Because there's three of them and then a spinoff series and an animated TV show. So, and- logical assumption. And then someone told me, no, it's not a reboot of those movies. It's a reboot of the 1930s mummy movies. So if you think of like... Okay, the- you ready for me to blow your mind? What? The 1999 Mummy was a like remake of the 1932 Mummy. You just took my fact out of my mouth. I'm getting there, babe. Oh, sorry. So yeah, someone told me that it's not the reboot of the 90s. It's the reboot from the 1930s of the classic Mummy movie. And so like if if you were right now to just think of the most like top pop culture icon horror monsters, who would you think of? Freddy Krueger. No, no, no. Think like even just more general, like top. Oh, like, you mean your like, classic Halloween? Okay, like characters. vampire, werewolf. I guess mummy is on there. Um, ghosts, aliens. Okay, think like named named Halloween just icons. Okay, Dracula. Yes. Frankenstein. Yes. Um. But yeah, you're like Dracula, Frankenstein. The Mummy, Wolfman. I don't. I've never heard of Wolfman. Uh, Invisible Man. Like okay. So these are Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yes, <laughs> but these are so something that I had I never knew, or that like these are things that are always associated with Halloween every year. I just thought that growing up that they just had always been in existence, but it turns out that like the iterations of these characters that have become so immortalized are from kind of a a franchise of films from Universal Studios starting in the 30s and 40s. Oh, that makes sense because like the original Frankenstein movie was like pretty old too. Yeah. And and so I had no idea. And so so this um, movie in 2017 with Tom Cruise was supposed to be a reboot of the original 1932 mummy and it was supposed to be the start of a just a an in-depth cinematic universe called like the dark universe or something about all of the monsters and so they were going to remake frankenstein and remake wolfman and i think they did make invisible man in 2020 but it just was a total flop box office failure just critical poop and critical they poop. they, they uh, forsook all future plans for those movies <laughs> Okay, but um, oh, sorry. sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, I'm not gonna lie though. I am really getting sick of reboots, like and remakes. Like there are some that are done really well, but like I feel like ninety percent of the movies that come out, maybe ninety five percent, are reboots or remakes of movies that like were made even like ten years ago, and then or they're like book to movie adaptions and i feel like hollywood is like lost like no one's telling original stories anymore like they've just kind of gotten lazy and they're like all right let's crank out as many movies as we can what's the easiest thing gonna be let's just redo something that was done before and it's just you know it's like exhausting you know not exhausting but it's just it's dumb and disheartening i can't think of that many 
that are being done. I mean, there's live action remakes that Disney keeps doing. And I feel like a good amount of those have been really well done. Yeah, I mean, there's like, they just did Top Gun Maverick, which, you know, was a good one. But from what I've heard, I've never seen it. Okay, so I think what you're describing are the legacy sequels. Yeah, there's a lot of like TV shows, too, that are reboots of old ones. Like, oh, they okay. just, I guess. I, I would have no idea. I probably should include like TV shows, too. But I mean, now that you like put me on the spot to like come up with names, I'm going to have a hard time. But I know they just like are re- kind of rebooting like Pretty Little Liars and. Um, which I never even like saw the original, but like, I don't know. I just feel like in like the last like five, 10 years, Hollywood has lost a lot of the originality and there's not very m- much content that's coming out. That's like a new story being told. It's just, all right, let's retell this story and like beat it to death. <laughs> Do you think that it really is that Hollywood's only putting out those kinds of remake stories or do you think that the only story, the only movies that you know that Hollywood is putting out happen to be the ones that are remakes? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm not knocking that it's the second, but there are like a significant number. Like if you gave me like 10 minutes to think it through, I could come up with a good list. I don't think that it's a recent thing, though, because here's why the 1999 Mummy movie that we watched was the third reboot of the Mummy movie from 1932. Maybe I just, like, am unaware that a lot of, like, the older movies were reboots because I'd never heard of the originals. But I just, like, I don't know. I I feel like it's not only me, though, because I feel like I've seen a lot of articles of people that are, like, everyone's just rebooting everything and, like, stop. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I don't know if it's that they're just doing it more frequently now or something. I think I don't I personally don't have too much of a problem with reboots and sequels. I think especially as far as reboots go that it's a way to bring a beloved story to a new audience. Um cuz if imagine if this movie didn't come out in the 90s and wasn't a hit, there wouldn't be nearly as many younger people would ever go back and watch the 30s movies or the, you know, 40s movies. Right. But like, those are great stories, great characters, and they introduce them in a new way to new people in a way that engages them. So I think like, obviously, it's a way for big movie making corporations to continue to make money is they take things that they know that people already like, and they represent it, Uh banking on the fact that it made money before is going to make money again. But I, I don't have too much of an issue with it. Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up and like, there are a lot more that I'm thinking of. Like there was Scream that was redone or like, it was kind of, I think a redo, but also like a sequel. And I heard it was not great. And then there's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I think they just did um, another horror one. Like, I think they just did Halloween too. And then they did another Batman. And then like, they just did the third version of Cheaper by the Dozen. And um, Father of the Bride is another one I've seen. Like, there's just a lot that's coming out and kind of being done over and over again. It's kind of like, let's see some original stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't have an issue with it because I haven't seen any of the originals of those things. Like, I haven't <sighs> seen the original Mummy. I haven't seen the original Halloween or Scream or anything. And I haven't, I didn't watch any of the remakes for those things. So I guess if I was more cultured, and I was a more avid movie theater attendee, 
maybe I would start to be a little put off by it. I mean, I'm not like a big like slasher um, horror person. Like when I watch horror, I liked it to be like more of like the thriller, lean on the thriller kind because I'm not like a big fan of gore. So like I haven't really seen like a lot of the big franchise ones. I just have like friends and a sister that really like them that kind of tell me about those. But I mean, Cheaper by the Dozen, we've already got two really great versions of Cheaper by the Dozen. Do we really need a third one? So one thing that you did mention that I wanted to circle back to was about the cinematic universe. Like, I didn't realize that this was one of the first times they tried it, because I've only, like, really heard of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I didn't realize that it had been done before, even with, like, the classic Halloween characters, and that that's kind of cool. Yeah, I... What's interesting is that the this recent dark universe was an attempt by Universal to capitalize on how successful the Marvel Cinematic Universe was, but it failed, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) But it's interesting that they tried to do it, but like looking back, it already was kind of the precursor to modern day cinematic universes. Yeah, it's just interesting that they like tried to do that because it's not nearly as like robust as Marvel is. You know, there's like thousands of Marvel comics for the creators or for the people at Disney to draw from but it's just like a couple of monsters <laughs> I mean they some of them they're drawing from obviously source material the book by Mary Shelley that's her name right yeah Amy Shelley Mary Shelley Mary mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and some of them are like original stories have you read that book yes but I haven't read it all the way through since my reading level was high enough to understand it so gotcha it is. Oh. It is not what I expected. It's definitely not the Frankenstein that is portrayed in media, for sure. I mean, everyone knows that at this point, but that was kind of a shock to me in high school when I like read it and I was like, oh, this is like some 1830s Victorian like patched up monster. Didn't she write it when she was like 16 or something? Maybe. To be honest, I don't know that much about Mary Shelley and I should. She like basically invented the horror genre. She did. Yeah, what a queen. Huh. I I looked it up recently for some reason. I was going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and it was like she was like she became romantically involved with a man who I think was married to another woman. Oh yeah, I think I remember vaguely something like that. And they went on kind of a summer getaway to a lake vacation home and while they were there, they were telling ghost stories around a campfire or something. And then that night they decided, because they were both writers and they, or they both loved writing. I don't know if either of them were published before, but, and so they kind of challenged themselves. Let's each write a ghost story and see which one either finishes first or which one's better. And, and then like, it took her a long time to come up with one. And then she... Knocked it out of the park. And then once she came up with like the basic basic idea, she like finished the story really quickly or something like that. But Right. Yeah, I think now that you say that, that does like ring a bell. It's kind of interesting. And listener, if you're about to send us an email to participating.podcast at gmail.com to tell us technically Frankenstein's not the monster. Frankenstein is the doctor and the monster is Frankenstein's monster. Uh, we don't care i was going to say i don't know what i was going to say (laughs) shut up we know (laughs) 
technically the doctor is the monster, so. That's true. Um, although he pays dearly for it. Anyways, we're here today to talk about the mummy, not Frankenstein. <laughs> Contrary to what that tangent might have seemed. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was a little shocked that you uh, put in a movie that literally had just a naked woman in it. I must have seen a cut ver or TV version or something because the very first scene starts with a sexual affair in ancient Egypt and she just wears fishnets over her like whole body. Chainmail kind of? I don't know. And just a loincloth thong covering it and I guess body paint covering like the privates. Yeah, she's but painted in gold. Anyway, it's like Cara Delevingne's uh, Met Gala look. It the movie started, and I immediately I was like, "This has got to be the wrong movie." I don't remember this at all. <laughs> what kind of things are you trying to introduce me to, babe? Okay, here's my question for you: What genre of movie did you think this was going to be going into it? Um, action adventure, like similar to Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be like an Indiana Jones ripoff. Really? I did. Yeah. It it wasn't. I was, well, like, I mean, it starts out with, like, an archaeological dig kind of in Egypt where they're, like, hunting for, um, like, treasure and artifacts. And I was like, oh, so this is literally just Indiana Jones. And then, like, when they revived the mummy, and I was like, oh, no, it's more than that. And then I was like, okay, so it's not just, like, some knockoff. So, okay, so after seeing the movie, what genre would you say that the movie ended up being? I would still say... Action adventure. Okay. But there were some points where I was like, oh, is this actually a horror movie? But then I was like, no, because Josh would never watch a horror movie, let alone show me one. I feel like it kept just changing mood or tones or changing genres. Like it started out like action adventure, ancient lore. And yeah, once they get into the tomb or the lost city and the, they revive the mummy, Instantly, the next several scenes are just horror, dark, a little bit gory. When that beetle crawled like out of his chest and into his cheek, I was like, nope, this is a horror movie. Like, yeah, there are there are a shocking amount of just really frightening scenes and visuals for for like how, that fit how it fits in with the rest of the movie. You're just like, oh, OK, like how old were you when you first watched this? I don't know. Pretty young, probably. I feel like. My mom, like, if I was young and I wanted to watch it, my mom wouldn't have let me watch it until, like, late elementary school, maybe probably even junior high. I I come from a family. I probably wouldn't have watched this as young as, say, Jaden would have watched this. But my youngest brother, Jaden, he watched Jaws for the first time when he was, like, three years old. And he, like, when I was three years old, I loved Thomas the Tank Engine, Land Before Time, Barney and Friends. But... His favorite movies were Godzilla, Jurassic Park, Jaws. Literally the first time that we watched Jaws, he laughed when there was like the a, a rowing boat attack and the guy like falls out and you see blood in the water. He laughed and was like, oh, he's dead. And then I don't, spoiler alert for the end of the first Jaws movie. I think it's the, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I've only ever seen the first Jaws movie. Okay. I can't remember if it was specific. So at the end of the first Jaws movie, Chief Brody they somehow get like an oxygen tank in the shark's mouth and then he shoots it and the shark explodes. And at the second end of the second movie, they are, they kind of get stranded 
out pretty far in the far from shore on this island. And then there's an electric cable that runs to the island and they slap the cable with an oar and provoke the shark into biting it. And it bites it and electrocutes itself and just cooks. I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but the shark dies at the end of the movie. And Jaden like screamed and was crying and because he, <laughs> to him, the shark was the main character of the movie. And he was rooting for the, because he loves sharks. Sharks are so cool. Sharks and dinosaurs and tigers and, <laughs> you know, his favorite animal. And so when the shark dies, he was just like heartbroken, just traumatized. But when the shark killed people earlier in the movie, he was like, ha it sucks to be him. But he's like this little three, it was just so weird. I like, I definitely got freaked out really easily at stuff. Like I was def I was a very anxious child and so my mom wouldn't let me watch scary things or even like PG thirteen movies. I remember all my friends were like eleven and twelve and they were like watching Harry Potter and like other things that were rated PG thirteen and my mom was like, Absolutely not. <laughs> and so um I definitely was like late to the punch on that one. But if I had watched it, like she was definitely right. Like if I had watched stuff like The Mummy or even like Harry Potter, especially like some of those later ones, I would have been so scared and I probably would have slept in my parents' bed for at least a week. So yeah, this movie I felt like was jumping all over the place because then even as right after it was immediately like dark and gory and frightening, it they just leave and it goes back into comedy cheesy dialogue. Right. And so it's you're not sure if this movie's supposed to be horror, supposed to be intense, supposed to just be comedic, and it just kind of jumps all over the place as far as the mood goes. And I'm I'm not sure that it jumps like it transitions between those well. It um. there could be an argument I feel like for it covering that wide spectrum efficiently, but I th feel like there's also a case that it would it was jarring. It didn't bother me. I'll leave it at that. Maybe it wasn't done like masterfully, but it didn't bother me. I love the strong female representation that comes with a 80s, 90s movie. Appreciated that. I think this movie does pass the Bechdel test. Really? Yeah. I think I mean, there's two female characters. Who's one, the other one? There's the there's the one that was the ancient girlfriend of the priest that becomes the mummy that oh. he tries to resurrect. And then there's the, uh, I don't even know what her name is. The Rachel Weiss's character. Yeah. Evelyn or whatever. Well, anyway, the mummy takes her to s sacrifice to resurrect the female mummy. And she lays down. I think they're both named characters. They're both named female characters. And they're laying down next to each other. And when the female mummy comes back to life, she looks over and she screams. And I feel like that's enough of a conversation. And it's not about a man. So, I mean. Oh, my gosh. Just kidding. I'm kidding. That does I'm not count. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was an interaction between the two of them that wasn't about a man. It was just about how frightening a corpse was. I mean, it's cool that they made her like a very educated woman that like was an Egyptologist and like knew a ton of stuff. But then they made her kind of um, like clumsy. Yeah. And uh, like, I don't want to say incompetent because I don't feel like she was incompetent, but like kind of a little bit. And then... Once Brendan Fraser's character came in to the picture, like she was just the damsel in distress. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, she was still like, 
she was the one that was like solving all of the puzzles the whole time. Right. But then they like locked her in the bedroom and like put her there. And then there's the time where she's captured yeah. by the mummy. And then she has to be rescued by a man. And, and then the end, like when they were like, well, that was a complete waste. And then he was like, I wouldn't say that. Or we didn't come back with anything. And he's like, oh, I didn't say that. I was like right there with the brother. I was kind of like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. cheesy. It's, I feel like- it was a step up from... Batman? <laughs> yes, because I don't know if I want to get it. Oh, maybe. We talked about how in Batman, or a Batman episode, that Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne character totally took advantage of Vicki Vale while she was entirely inebriated. Right. And he was stone cold sober. Yep. But in this movie, I, we, we got to look up what the name of her character is. Interestingly, you, did you notice that you didn't find out what... Brendan Fraser's character was until halfway through the movie. Yeah. Like halfway through, she calls him Mr. O'Connell and he says, you can call me Rick. And it was like, oh, okay, we're just getting to the point where you know what the main character's name is. Oh, it is Evelyn. Okay. But in this movie, Evelyn gets really tipsy and says like, I'm going to kiss you now. And then just passes out and he just leaves her alone. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like he didn't take advantage of her, but... I don't know if we can, like, necessarily give him the credit, because if she hadn't passed out, would he still have kissed her and continued? Because that's still I don't know. I feel that's like still taking advantage. Give credit where credit is due. I don't know if it's due for doing the bare minimum, but... But that's different than all the other 80s and 90s movies, so... Yeah, but, like, to be fair, the very first interaction that these two characters had on screen was sexual assault. Like, yep. he grabbed her face, pulled her in, and kissed her without her consent. Which, like, was entirely unnecessary, too. Like, I was just kind of watching, and I was like, how does grabbing her face and kissing her forward the plot line at all? Like, he can still be a, kind of a jerk and not kiss her, and her still think, oh, well, he's like, he's like a jerk and like a thug, and, you know? Yeah. Like, I felt like the kiss was just kind of, like, shocking and unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know how you felt about it. No, I totally just... was just, like, put off. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable to watch. I was also put off towards the end of the movie when the mummy is using his powers to create this sandstorm to crash the plane that the all the men are in. And she kisses him to distract him so that the people can escape. I just felt like that was unnecessary. That it's like... It's making it seem that her skill set is just her body. I know. Couldn't she just like punch him in the face or something? Yeah. And that would break his his focus. And going along with that too, I felt like the part where the mummy kissed her was also weird and unnecessary because it's like, she's not his love. Like she's just the human sacrifice that he's going to use to bring back her love, but she's not his love. So why does he keep on kissing her? Like I just, that was weird. Yeah. I have no idea. Despite all of the weird kissing that went on, though, I really did enjoy the movie. Good. I am surprised, honestly. Really? Yeah. Why? I just felt like... So I, I know that you... I'm not going to say you don't like the things that I like, but it, but you... No, but we have different tastes, for sure. Yeah, and you could only take the kinds of movies that I enjoy in certain amounts. Like, you can't watch superhero movies in large doses or, you know, Star Wars or stuff. And, like, right. we just we just did Indiana Jones. And I was thinking this was too similar for you to enjoy it. 
and also I feel like we've just been uh, flooded. That's the, the wrong word. We have just been consuming so much uh, Egyptian mythology content with a little bit with Indiana Jones. There's a little bit of Egypt in there with this, with Moon Knight. Okay. And the even the escape room that we did recently. I love mythology, though. Yeah. Yeah. I could watch. Like, I, do, I like mythology a lot. I can consume a little bit more of that. Okay, cool. I think, I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but I kind of like The Mummy a little bit better than Indiana Jones, to be honest. That's okay. I I might be with you on that, which is funny because I feel like I've seen Indiana Jones at least 10 times more than I've seen The Mummy, but... Yeah. There's definitely a world that exists in which I like it better. I don't know if it's this world, but I can <laughs> see that. <laughs> Somewhere in the multiverse. Interesting. So, you know, when we watched Indiana Jones... Not specifically when we watch Indiana Jones, but you know how one of the reasons why I like Indiana Jones so much is because of the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland. Yeah. There is a ride in Universal Studios that is very similar to that Indiana Jones ride, but it's about the mummy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. And it's also a very good ride. I haven't, I think I've only been to that park once, maybe twice. It's more times than me. <laughs> And it was, I just remember, it might, that might have been one of the best rides in the park. Huh. And spoiler alert for Revenge of the Mummy, the ride. There's a part where the ride ends and you come up to like the unloading dock. And there's, you see like the employee up in the booth, you know, like the console area for the controls of the ride. And it looks, it feels like you're about to get off. And then suddenly the mummy like breaks the window and kills that employee. And then you have to like keep driving to escape and you don't get off right there. But oh, it's just that's awesome. Yeah, it's so crazy. Just that's cool. The first time I went on it, it just I was like, what? There's n- n- I never would have expected something like this in a in a ride. And it was so cool. So is it like a real human that like fakes getting killed by the mummy, or is it like a like projection of some sort? I think it was like there was glass in front of them and it was is either like an animatronic or or like you just saw their shadow i can't remember i'll there's probably a video of some sort that i can show you but okay so but it's not like a real person no okay huh that's really cool yeah that's really creative anyway let's circle back to cinematic universes just for a second for the third time (laughs) yes if the marvel cinematic universe started a decade earlier Brendan Fraser, 100% would have been in it, right? Oh, yeah. Who do you think he would have played in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, man. Okay, I'm not going to lie. This is the only Brendan Fraser movie I've ever seen. I don't think I've seen him in in anything. You've never seen George of the Jungle? No. You've never seen Journey to the Center of the Earth? No. You've never seen... He's in Inkheart, right? Probably. Haven't seen that either. Um, hmm. Yes, he is in Inkheart. He plays... Maybe Mortimer full chart. I don't think I've ever actually seen that whole movie. I think I saw the beginning of it. And I had the book in my bedroom library all growing up. Never touched it. Never even attempted to read it. I think I tried reading Inkart four or five times, but I could never finish it. Oh, Paul Bettany and Andy Serkis are in that movie. Huh. Okay. If Brendan Fraser was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it would have to be like phase one stuff. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> maybe... I could kind of see him being the Hulk. Ooh, that's a good... Because I was thinking about this while we were watching the movie. Uh Uh-huh. 
I didn't even consider the Hulk, but that's that could be a good Who did choice. you think? So I thought they would want they'd want to get him to play one of the just hunk characters, like maybe Thor, oh, maybe yeah, I could see Captain that. America. There's also a world in which he they might get him to do Tony Stark. I feel like if it was coming out in the 90s, Tom Cruise definitely would have been Tony Stark. Yeah. Uh, I feel like obviously the best fit for him would have been Bucky Barnes. Ooh, that's another good one. That's a really good one. I could see him doing that. Man, it's a shame that Hollywood just blacklisted him for um, like coming out with his like sex- sexual assault allegations because he's a pretty good actor. He's been accused of sexual assault? No, he accused someone of sexually assaulting him. Oh. And then he I... got blacklisted for like years and it's just within the last couple of years that he started coming back to the the movie scene. Interesting. I I don't know a ton about it. I had heard that he had like he went through a breakup with his wife or something and just has been really unhealthy mentally and emotionally. And so I thought it was more of like he personally stepped back from acting, but I think it was a little bit of both. Like, I mean, from what I've heard, like, obviously, like a divorce would be hard, but it was right about the same time where I think he was coming out with the sexual assault allegations. But this was like 10 years ago when people still believed and they still kind of do today, but they like believed that um, men couldn't be sexually assaulted. And it was, um, you know, the same thing that happened to that kid from the Goonies. Um where, like, he just, he got bad feedback from everyone, like, not believing him, and he was going through a divorce, and I think there was something else. Like, his mom died or something like that at the same time, and that all just kind of led to a downward spiral. But then, also, people didn't really want to work with him, and that kind of led to him stepping back. Which, you know, you do what you gotta do, for sure, but it is kind of a shame, because love to see more movies with him in it. Any comments on Brendan Fraser? No. I feel like... He was a handsome dude. Probably this was the start of the peak of his A-list hunkiness. Yeah, I see why he was like an A-list hunk. For, I don't know, I I couldn't tell the timeline, but it seems like for at least 10 years after The Mummy, he was kind of the hot guy to have in movies. Yeah, makes sense. He is a hot guy, so. Yeah, I would, okay. Do you think he's hot enough to sacrifice yourself as the virgin sacrifice to a mummy to save him? If I believed that I was going to like ultimately be saved by him, yeah. Okay. I think Rachel Weiss's character like believed that ultimately like in the end she would be saved and that's why she was willing to do it. That's that's an interesting thing is yes, she was still a damsel in distress, but part of it was willing, like she willingly gave herself up to the mummy to take her to give the rest of the team one more day to figure it out or to be safe. And the other part is like in the times where they locked her up to keep her safe from the mummy coming, she was like very adamantly opposed to that. Yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So it's just, it's not the classic, she gets captured, she needs somebody to come rescue her. But so there's 
a little bit more female empowerment in that sense, but it's still not great. Yeah, I mean, him picking her up and just throwing her on the bed and then, like, walking out and locking her in the room did not sit well with me. Yeah, me either. I was like, oh, that is not great. (laughs) Okay, here's my other question. It's revealed in the movie that the mummy is afraid of cats because cats are the guardians of the underworld. Why did they not just carry a cat around with them the whole time? Okay, literally had that same question. Like, if you know... That you are one of the people that has to be sacrificed to the mummy to fully resurrect him. Why are you not finding a stray cat on the streets of Cairo and carrying that around with you wherever you go? It just seemed like there were like twice in the movie that he sees a cat and just instantly nopes out of there. And even one time like uh, Rick O'Connell picks up the cat and like shoves it in his face and he's just whoop out the window. It's like, okay, you found your... Is it smoking gun or whatever? You found like the thing that works. Capitalize on it. Everybody arm yourself with cats. <laughs> right. Because there were the f- the people that opened his tomb that he had to get to in order to resurrect fully. And they figured that out before he got to all of them. Like if I were one of those people and I was there when they figured it out, I would have carried that cat everywhere I went and just prevented him from like fully coming back, you know? Yeah. It's just missed opportunity there, I guess. Here's my next question. Sorry, I have tons of questions for you. How interested are you in watching the other movies in this franchise? Say a solid 7 out of 10. Okay. Um, um, I So there's the second movie called The Mummy Returns, and it's about the same mummy. Okay. Like he finds a way to be resurrected again and they have to, and it's all the same characters pretty much. However, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is introduced as a character called the Scorpion King. As like kind of a second villain. Oh, wasn't that this like his first movie role? One of, if not, yeah, the first. And it's iconic for being some of the worst CGI on the big screen ever. Awesome. You know I love a bad movie. But like the fir- these first two Mummy movies were just so commercially successful that the Scorpion King character in The Mummy Returns gained his own series of movies. Like spinoff movies. Huh. And then there was, um, I think the third one, I think the the third one is the one that I've seen most recently. It like came on TV and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. And that might have just been like a year or two ago. And it's about the, the first emperor of China. I think his name's Shi Huangdi. Yeah. And he is the one that was buried in Xi'an with all of the terracotta warriors in his tomb. Yeah. And so when he gets resurrected, all of I think all of the terracotta warriors get resurrected or something. Wow. That is a lot. Okay. So we still need to watch all of those. We need to watch the rest of the Indiana Jones sequels before we watch the fifth one that is in production right now. I have less of an interest in seeing the other Indiana Jones than I do The Mummy, though. Like, I'm not, like, opposed to, like, watching them with you. It's just, like, I'm more, like, meh about it. I think I'm going to say this. I don't know how true it is, but I would say that the second and third Indiana Jones movies are better than the second and third Mummy movies. The fourth okay. Indiana Jones movie, I don't care if you ever see. That's the one with aliens, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that one's a dumpster fire. It also has Shia LaBeouf, though. So it depends on how high Shia LaBeouf is in your uh, celebrity stock book. I don't know. He's kind of an abusive asshole from what I've heard. He's actual cannibal, though. So, you That's know, true. that could he does have a good sense of humor. <laughs> 
Um, oh, I was going to say, I found this out after we released our Indiana Jones episode that I never knew my whole life, but the second Indiana Jones movie is actually a prequel to the first movie, not a sequel. Huh. For my whole life, I thought it happens after, but turns out it's a prequel. And I, I don't know. I, that's, it's interesting that that's the movie that I probably have seen the most out of all three. And I just growing up never realized that it happens before Raiders. Huh. That's very interesting. I mean, I mean, it's typical of a George Lucas story to, <laughs> to jump ju- around, to jump around and <laughs> make chronology. The, make the prequels after. Yeah. To go. Sounds about right. Two, then one, then three. Any final thoughts on The Mummy? You're cute. Thanks. Were you ta- I hope you were talking to me and not the listener. Maybe. <laughs> well, I think I'll turn the time over to you then to right. close this out. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> this has been the weekly session of thanks for participating. This has been the weekly session of Sydney being just completely fed up with Josh by the end of <laughs> recording a podcast episode. All right. Our Instagrams are Josh underscore is underscore rich and dip your chicken. You can find the podcast on Instagram at TFP underscore pod and Twitter at TFP underscore show and TikTok at TFP underscore pod, right? Yep. Okay. Be sure to follow us on social media for more fun promotions and surprises in the near future. If you have any feedback or episode suggestions, or you just want to say hi, send us an email at participating.podcast at gmail.com. Please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We would love to hear your feedback, and we're hoping for five stars to deliver you quality service. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon at Vaishan Designs. You can find him on Instagram, and music is by Mitch Fry at Firefry underscore on Instagram and Mitch Fry Music on YouTube. Did I hit it all? I think so. All right. We thank you, our listeners. We love you guys. And thanks for participating. And thanks for not ripping out my eyes and cutting out my tongue to resurrect an evil dude. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One last thought. Oh my gosh, I would literally barf. What? My question is, so the premise of this movie is that this was just an evil dude that practiced witchcraft or something in ancient Egypt. And so the Pharaoh's bodyguards buried him and all of his followers and like sentenced them to being mummified alive. And just, and she says the, just the worst, like she says that this guy is sentenced to the worst curse that all of ancient Egypt was just so afraid to ever use because it was so scary and just reserved for the worst of the worst. And it was that if anyone ever brought him back, he would be invincible and bring with him all of the 10 plagues of the story of the Exodus. And I don't know, being invincible doesn't sound like a curse. I know. So I'm thinking if this is such a bad, evil, scary guy and they're trying to punish him, why would they curse him (laughs) to have all power at some point if he's resurrected? Yeah, I didn't even think about that.